When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe and I had visited back in September 2021 under the de Blasio administration. And it, at that time, it was really a true hellhole. There was three, you know, three inches of water on the floor, overcrowding, the doors. Actually, the locks on the jail cells did not work in most of the facility. It was miserable. And surprise, surprise, today the, the island is turning around under you know, Commissioner Molina. Um, the Adams administration is actually doing a good job. They're on the right track. So any talk of receivership is w- premature. of Democrat Bob Holden. I like him, as Frank Morano pointed out this morning, part of that Common Sense Caucus, which consists of six Republicans and two conservative Democrats, both Holden and uh, Yeager. That's right. He's talking about uh, Rikers Island. So live in studio is a guy that, uh, by the way, Chad, if you're listening, we need to hire this guy. Chad, John, got to hire him. This guy's got a plethora of experience working with the biggest names in this city. 25 years working with the DOC, the Correction Union, representing thousands and thousands and thousands of our uh, very, very valued people. And, of course, I'm talking about Norman Seabrook. So we need to get you here in some capacity, whether you're doing a podcast, a weekend show, I don't know. But you need to be here. But let me get to this uh, this story. Today there's going to be a court hearing. Jumani Williams, some of these inmates have decided that it would be better if, in fact, we had the uh, a federal uh, leadership here at Rikers Island, right? So they're going to go to court today and try to get that done. But you heard there from Bob Holden say, wait a second, we don't need it. We don't need a receivership because things under Adams and Molina have gotten significantly better. My question to you, Norman, is who do you believe and do you think a federal receivership is something this city should be doing? Good morning, Sidney. Good morning. It's, it's such- Great pleasure to be here and see you. I, I think you. that um, uh, be careful what you wish for, because at the end of the day, there's always the possibilities of things going completely in a 180-degree turn. I don't think that uh, receivership at this point uh, is necessary. But then again, I don't think that the Adams administration is doing what they're supposed to do in the New York City Department of Correction. Now, the last time, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had Molina on, who leads that group, the DOC, you were on with me not long after that, and you were pretty critical of Molina. I think that uh, Mr. Molina uh, has surrounded himself with people that don't know the job and don't have the experience to be able to combat the problems that they face on a daily basis. 
There are too many chiefs and not enough Indians in the New York City Department of Correction. And it's just a matter of time before something more serious happens than what's going on now. I like Bob Holden. He was on a couple of weeks ago with my friend Jennifer Harrison, victim rights uh, New York Norman, and they were talking specifically about Jumani Williams, this some moron, this public advocate, and he does this Instagram live show where he talks about bail reform being a good thing and how, you know, if you think bail reform cost one life, you're wrong. And, of course, he's wrong. We know that. Um, so I like Bob coming out strong there. But I have to admit, hearing those comments, which Bob made on John Katzmatidi's show, did surprise me because it seems like every day there's another story about a Rikers inmate getting stabbed, some type of issue so to hear Bob say that surprised me. I guess it surprised you, too. It did. It did. But, you know, just yesterday, an inmate uh, escaped from a hospital ward here in New York City. From what I understand, the inmate jumped five stories and survived. Survived. And disappeared somewhere into the city of New York. Um, unfortunately, you know, we don't. The, the Department of Correction doesn't have enough staff. They don't have enough training. They don't have the uh, tools that they need to combat the problems. And I don't think that the Ad- Adams administration is giving them what they need. Um, it's out of sight, out of mind. So when you have an individuals that are incarcerated in the city's jail system and you're not, the public doesn't have the opportunity to see like they see the police department or the fire department and they don't have the equipment that they need, then they think that everything's okay. And it's absolutely not. You have no issue, Norman, (laughs) criticizing the mayor. And I do want to get to that. But he has been the loudest in maintaining control of Rikers and these jails, six of them, in New York. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but if this federal receivership does happen, right, uh, there is no oversight. They can do whatever they want. I've heard stories on paying each other half a million dollars. And the one time we did see this in California, because it's very rare, of course, things went nuts. It didn't work. So as critical as you are, and and I agree with you about Adams, it's not as if the history of the federal receivership actually works. Well, I don't I don't think that the federal receivership is. I think that that's just a tool that's used to be able to get individuals under control to a certain point. And and let me be clear, I'm not critical of Eric Adams personally. I'm critical of the way that some of the opportunities and some of the uh, administrative policies and procedures that he's putting in place have neglected the people of the city of New York. I live here in the city of New York. And when you have individuals that you continuously allow to come into the city of New York spending tens of millions of dollars of taxpayer money to provide for them, I understand that. But what's next? When do you say we're closed? We cannot take any more people in here. When do you say, let me give some uh, food uh, of, of nourishment to children in schools as opposed to giving three meals a day to individuals that come here and don't contribute anything to the city of New York. When you have children, and it was just not long ago that I heard on your show that uh, there was someone indicted that was running the lunch system, yeah. and, and, and they were giving these kids garbage to eat, but True. meanwhile you want to give these individuals a gourmet meal. I, I have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. Uh, Norman Seabrook, former law enforcement officer, union leader. He was the president of the Correction uh, Officers Benevolent Association for 21 years. Long time, 96 to 2015. So to end this conversation, uh, you don't believe, Holden, that things are getting better all that quickly. But at the same time, you don't think we need a receivership just yet. I don't. I, no, I don't think so. I think that it needs more oversight. Uh, to be able to determine what's 
ample and what's right and what's wrong. But I don't think that turning it the entire agency over to another agency makes sense because you still have the same people there. You're still going to have the same individuals in, in management positions. What you have to do is you have to sit down and you have to take a look and you have to be a leader. Leaders lead. Can't argue that. Well, the good ones do. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of leaders that don't. Uh, this is going to be sensitive, but you're a tough guy, and I've known you for a long time, and, and we're very, very close, so I think I can bring this up, and that is uh, Jonah Rechnitz. It turns out they threw out his sentence. He's going to be resentenced again. Do you have any comments on that? I, I would rather not comment on that because, you know, I, I'm going to leave that alone. Okay, fair enough. Let's get to the migrant uh, crisis. Uh, talking about uh, we can't pay for these people anymore. They're getting great meals, all these things. This is all true. Uh, now Eric Adams is talking about this is going to cost us upwards of $12 billion before it's all said and done. So you sent me a text yesterday, and uh, you talked specifically about what you think needs to happen to fix this. Why don't you share that with the listening audience? Well, one, one of the things that I think that's very important here is that as a leader, and me being uh, in leadership positions when I was there, I made tough decisions. One of the decisions that I think that should be made is that if the federal government doesn't want to give New York City money to combat and offset the cost of what we're doing right now, then all of that money that we send to you every year from New York City, you're not getting it, Washington. Sue me. Okay? <laughs> Sue me. So that then we can have a judge sit down and say, you know what? It's unfair. It's undemocratic for the city of New York to be accepting all of these individuals and having them pay the bill for it. Because sooner or later, the taxpayers, a person like myself that lives in New York City, our taxes are going to increase because of the money that they're spending. So the story about, well, we got to do this or we got to do that, doesn't make any sense. Stop sending the money that we send to Washington and let them come to the table and give us the money that we need to combat the problems that we face. And why won't he do that, uh, Eric Adams? Why won't he do yeah. that? I, I, mean, I kind of I, I, I think that he's, uh, he doesn't have that, that, that heart to say, listen, uh, Joe, I need, I need some money. Well, is it about heart? Is it about courage? Or is it about I need to continue to align myself with these Democrat leaders because, truth be told, I've got my eyes on the presidency one day, and if I start to really call out or sue or do things to these people, that may damage my future as a possible Democrat candidate. I believe it's the latter. Well, if it's about your future and what you're thinking about for you, then you shouldn't have put on the hat for New Yorkers because your job is to take care of the people of the city of New York. Your job is to take care of the children of New York. The job that you took on is the responsibility to provide safety and security and take care of us. Do you feel uh, badly for the mayor at this point? I talk to people, they go, I got to tell you, I feel bad for the guy. And I go, well, wait a second, that's fine. But but don't forget, he, he's very good with us being a sanctuary city. He said early on when they were first coming here, come on, baby. I'll get you that Xbox. I'll put you in that fancy hotel. Yes, now we've gotten to the point where he can't handle it. I understand that. But let's be honest. For a period of time there, Eric Adams was like Santa. Well, you can't have it both ways. So do you feel badly for the mayor, or do you think part of the issue is that the mayor wasn't angry from day one? I think that, it. it first of all, it goes along with the territory. Uh, it, it's part of the job. Um, 
toughen up your skin and and do what it is that has to be done. And, you know, I don't want people to misconstrue and think that I'm criticizing the mayor. I'm criticizing some of the policies and procedures that are affecting the people of the city of New York. Those policies and procedures are definitely going to impact us somewhere along the line. It may not be today or tomorrow, but down the road it would. For example, the, the United States government sends money to different countries, to different places all around the world. How much money are we sending to Mexico? And if we give Mexico money, then I'm saying to Mexico, listen, step up your game, stop all of these uh, individuals from crossing from Mexico into the United States, or I'm going to cut back on the money that I continue to send you every year. Make them step up their game. I want to go back to Rikers Island as we end this uh, great conversation. And again, we need to get Norman Seabrook in here at WABC. Um, Rikers Island, let's go back to that. To me, you've got acreage and acreage of unused space. That's not to me. That's a fact, okay? So uh, you can certainly house more criminals there, but why wouldn't we house the migrants there? And I hate to put migrants in the same class because not all of them are bad people. We know that. But why would we just house migrants, homeless, criminals, all these people on Rikers Island where a ton of that space, a ton is not being used. I think that's because individuals sitting sit in the room with the mayor and they and they take him off course and tell him we could do it this way, that way. We're spending tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month, whether it be for a construction to build the tents, whether it be for whatever it may be. Rikers Island has over four hundred acres of land. And they say that the jail population is down. So if the jail population is down and you have 400 acres of land, then cut the island in half. Take the half of the island that you don't utilize at this point and allow these individuals to live there. Reconstruct it if you have to. It would be a hell of a lot safer and a hell of a lot cheaper than with the way you're doing it in the different cities and, I'm sorry, in the different boroughs and in the different areas in which people travel. For example... They have dormitories on Rikers Island that have running water, showers, sinks, everything that you need, every plumbing, you have everything that you need, and it doesn't have to be done over again. So we have to stop doing it over again and do it right the first time. If you were still in that same position you were for 21 years and you were great at it, would this be the type of conversation you'd be having? Or not really, you were just concerned about it? No, definitely. You would be, yeah. Yeah, because Michael Bloomberg... uh, um, Giuliani, George Pataki, all of them know that I don't sugarcoat it. It, it is what it is, what, what, what I allow it to be. And I'm not going to allow myself, my family, my friends, my relatives to be subjected to increased taxes because nobody's saying anything about it. And I commend you and your station and your show for being able to put it out there. Everybody else wants to sugarcoat it and make it believe that it really doesn't exist. That's BS. It really exists. Take a look around you as what's happening to us in New York City. If we continue to allow ourselves to go down this road, we're headed for self-destruction. What part of the city do you live in? Don't give out your address, Norman. What part of the city do you live in? I live in Morris Park, the greatest borough of Bronx. <laughs> yeah, you live in the that, Bronx. The one that you talk so, about. <laughs> I do talk about the Bronx. So are, are there homeless, excuse me, are there migrants anywhere near your residence? Do you deal with that like we they, do here? They're, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. You, okay. could, you could see, you could visually see because you know everybody in the community for the most part. So when you see a strange face and then you see four or five guys stick together in the same space, then you know what they are. Now, don't get me wrong. Very respectable. They're very respectable. They're very clean. No yelling, no screaming, no 
uh, out of control. But they're stuff. not Americans. No, they're not. And that, at the that's end the of bottom the day, line. That's right. And at the end of the day, you have individuals that are on a waiting list to become citizens of this country, and they're being overlooked to allow other individuals to come here before them. I think that's wrong. You also have Americans, and they're homeless. I know. I get it. They've ruined their lives. Sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes it's not. But they're Americans sleeping on benches, as Curtis points out, in Central Park right now that no one will buy them a Big Mac. They're laying there garbage and basically rotting to death, and no one seems to care. But these migrants who are here illegally, at least as of this point, they get all the treatment. How does that make sense? I, I, it doesn't make sense at all because a lot of the individuals that are here should have been taken care of a long time ago. That should be our top priority. The top priority in the city of New York is to take care of the people of the city of New York and their families. Everybody else, you second. But right now, it's New York City that's number one. Norman, it's great. first of all, you look great. You got a beautiful brown suit on, pink shirt. And uh, you're tanner than me. <laughs> <laughs> you're working. I see you're working. Trying to it, catch though. you. But uh, you really are brilliant and smart, and I think you'd be a really great addition to this station. So I'm going to say it again for the third time. Chair John, whoever's listening, get Norman Seabrook to WABC. We need that type of mind. He's one of those guys that always tells the truth. He's unafraid, and that's exactly what John Katsimatidis has built here. And I thank you for that compliment and you True. are wonderful and i pray that your family is well and please give my best to your mother you got it thank you norman seabrook right here on sitting friends in the morning